Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, handheld gaming was originally dominated by a select few. The likes of Nintendo's Game Boy and its offspring, the Nintendo DS, were the rulers of the gaming on the go scene. Competition from Sony with its PlayStation Portable and PlayStation Vita, Sega with the Game Gear, and many others could not keep pace with the House of Mario. However, Nintendo's attempt to bridge the gap between handheld and home console became an overnight success, and the Switch continues to be a bestseller since its release in 2017. That got many others thinking of what they could provide in lieu of a Game Boy-style device. Either stick with the ability to provide retro gaming in place of what Nintendo had previously done, or take the ever-expanding PC gaming market and make it even more accessible in an on-the-go package. And that's what we're here to discuss today, the future of handheld gaming. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. My name is Travis Sherman, and of course, as always, I am joined by my industry expert, Kyle Inman. Kyle, hello. Hello, once again. Once again, we have ourselves another topic to go over, another topic to parse through, and this week we are focusing on the future of handheld gaming. Yeah. Um, what what a focus, too, especially with a uh, couple new consoles coming out. Well, one that just launched, what, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, and then We've got the upcoming Steam Deck um, alongside Nintendo that that is re-releasing their uh, Game & Watch systems along with their their current handheld hybrid uh, home console. Correct. We are seeing a rather interesting resurgence of competition in the handheld space. And a lot of it has really been focusing on taking effectively a PC's guts, or at least a laptop, a gaming laptop's guts, and putting it into a form factor that happens to look like the Nintendo Switch, which you but, happen to have on order, too. Yeah, but it's it's not just uh, Steam that's doing that, but uh, I, I think it's... Steam that's doing it more so directly as a as a gaming console um rather than just a handheld computer. Very true. That's what that looks like it's presented as, but it has more of that functionality as a as a computer though and not just a gaming device right. of itself. It's definitely more of like that nice neat all-in-one package that we had previously discussed as like you know consoles the um the future home PC. Uh, We talked Mm -hmm. about that in an episode several months ago. Uh, One of the interesting things, though, is that, I mean, really, it's like handhelds have been making a resurgence. Like, there was this big concern for a while that uh, mobile gaming was what was going to be taking over a lot of the the space. And what we've ended up seeing, especially as of late, is that you're seeing, like, more – more smartphones that are being built and being tuned specifically for gaming. Uh, We have an Asus ROG edition phone, uh, or ROG, excuse me, if you want to go with the abbreviation there. Uh, You have one of their gaming phones. I know Lenovo has one of their uh, Legion phones as well, too. Like companies that have never made phones before are now in the market, at least, and are trying to fill that niche for the mobile gaming sphere. But then you've also got some companies who are definitely going more on the retro front, and you've even got some who are taking a step back in time. And it's inter- it's interesting to say this one, especially, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had seen them yet, but Hasbro owns Tiger Electronics. And Tiger Electronics, when we were kids, used to make those really cheap uh, e-ink-looking display uh, handheld games that you know only had a couple little sprites on them. And they were all themed for different things. Transformers, Aladdin, Power Rangers, uh, Ninja Turtles. You know, they were themed for different shows. Oh, yeah. And, I and, and those, Yeah, and those have now since been re-released as well, you know, in different phases. Right. So we're seeing this interesting resurgence, not necessarily even just nostalgia's sake, but also we're seeing it in 
we're seeing it in the vein of like everything, honestly. Like if you want something mobile, you can get just about anything. It doesn't have to be a Switch. You don't have to go back and get a 3DS. You don't have to try to stick around with a Vita. It's like your options are becoming more and more more and more diverse, I guess is probably the best word. Definitely. Yeah. But let's, um, I guess maybe for this first topic then, let's, uh, or, or first part of this topic, let's, maybe let's focus on some of the retro stuff here first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know one recently that had just recent, uh, that had just dropped within the last few months. Now, uh, you and I were talking about this just before we started was the analog pocket. And this handheld, uh, according to the description on their website, analog.co, a multi-video game system portable handheld, a digital audio workstation with a built-in synthesizer and sequencer, a tribute to portable gaming. Out-of-the-box pocket is compatible with the 2,780-plus Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance game cartridge library. Pocket works with cartridge adapters for other handheld systems, too, like Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket Color, Atari Lynx, and more. That's super cool. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised... Uh, there hasn't been a company that's tried to tackle that in such a way in the past, um, and that it's taken so long to do so. But, um, I mean, it's, it's also really cool though, that you have an all inclusive way to play all of your original cartridge style handhelds. Uh, but also it it is neat that they included the synthesizer as well as, um, I want to say you can program your own games for it and uh, download games for it uh, that people have programmed as well. But that that also in itself is some limitation. Um, obviously, there's not a huge market of, of new games available for it. And uh, for that one, you actually have to go out and locate the, the classic game cartridges um, now I don't I don't know if the, those will actually work with those like all in one uh, retro game uh, packs that you can get that are like basically spoofed versions of games that um, have like two hundred titles on them. Those may or may not work, but I, I I still think it's really cool that they have that available. Um, and once again, it, it's a great way to to actually enjoy. Um, a lot of that that old analog or the, those old analog games that you wouldn't be able to enjoy otherwise without the original console available. But it, it it's also a little bit more narrow in comparison to some of the other stuff. Um, I don't know. What, what What's your take on that one? Well, I think in regards to the retro part of it, because now there's such a it's a tough time to try to get a hold of a lot of retro gaming consoles whether it is actually like a a console you'd put on your entertainment center or a handheld it is very hard to get a hold of stuff like that now especially because things have really started to push forward in the world of uh the world of collecting and that you know it's not just people like oh I found my old Game Boy Color I'll throw it up on eBay you mm-hmm. know it's a lot of people are doing stuff like that, but they're putting it up there for hundreds, thousands of dollars, you know, especially for the people who kept their box and, and that. But for those of us who maybe have a couple old Game Boy, Game Boy Color games sitting around in a box somewhere, but don't have a Game Boy to play on, this at least allows a way to enjoy that retro experience without potentially breaking the law, without having to require an emulator and ROM files to be able to experience those same games from yesteryear. So this opens up at least that avenue to be able to take advantage of the retro market uh, without having to, you know, sacrifice, I guess, you know, sacrifice breaking the rules, I suppose. Right. I, I, I do wish, though, that some of the games um, or could be like re-released or so- something that could, could be done about the availability of the games. Uh, simply because, like you said, the the classic games are being more and more collected nowadays, and I think that's that's something you you saw a lot more, especially with um, COVID happening in the last two years. You had a lot of people that not being able to get their hands on on 
the uh, next generation consoles, which is now our current generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just being stuck at home in general and not having stuff to do, you saw a huge resurgence in, in these classic uh, consoles and classic games, and it made the availability for them kind of just more rare in general um in order to to find the games uh to to find the consoles to find bit parts uh to to make any of it work and i i think it kind of hurt the the maybe it didn't uh because obviously it sold like crazy and people are having a hard time getting their um their hands on the analog pocket but at the same effect i feel like it it could have also maybe done better or maybe maybe there could have been more to it um if there was more availability of those classic games but just because the boom will last like two to five years it 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 makes it a little bit more difficult to sell those i would think but maybe not I don't necessarily know. I think part of it is just that it's not necessarily even that it's like harder to sell. I think it's just more of the I feel like the space for collectors, especially on the retro game front, has just become so obscene, especially when we were seeing prices for old Nintendo and and Super Nintendo and N64 games going for millions of dollars on these auctions and whatnot that even it's like you can get those games itself and have it there, but it's you know, for us, it's like we get something like that. I want to throw a game into my N64 and play something there. If I had a Game Boy Color and I picked up a game of, of Pokemon Silver, I, you bet I'd be down playing something like that. Right. Now, I, I wouldn't necessarily argue that it's it's harder per se. I think it's more so harder in the sense of like not necessarily availability, but more so on the cost part of it. And that's where I'm very grateful that companies like analog have come out with the ability mm-hmm. to purchase something that works right out of the box with these old games that you already have that they give you that functionality right out of the box and they've even like not even just the pocket i mean they make a whole mess of other retro consoles that will then work with your older cartridges as well too for things like the sega genesis for things like the um for the old nes and snes games mm-hmm. there is definitely a openness to it um but even with all of that, though, like if you if you take the pocket out of that situation, though, I mean, can you think of any other retro device that exists that at least gives you some sort of freedom, at least in the mobile sense, to be able to play these games, you know, on the go now instead of like digging out an old Game Boy or or, or what have you? Uh, about the closest thing that you can get are, I, I feel like, are going to be the uh, Game & Watch consoles that that Nintendo has begun re-releasing, uh, only with, of course, the uh, Mario and the, the, the Zelda one with their anniversaries that we just had. But, I mean, if Nintendo could continue to release those, I feel like that would be something in the handheld market closer to what a more modern, like, Tiger Electronics uh, handheld would be. I, I I feel like, yeah, we, we have seen the resurgence of those being re-released out of the market. Um, but to the same effect, they're more of a novelty almost when you consider the, you know, how many kids have smartphones and can just download games anymore. And those games are like a thousand times better than, you know, the the like six images that the uh, old Tiger Electronics uh, handhelds could produce just when it lit up that one section of the screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think back to some of the, like, um, you know, playing some mobile stuff as well, though, too. Like, I used to own an Xperia Play, which was uh, Sony's attempt at bringing effectively PlayStation-style controls with, like, little touch um analog sticks effectively just a touchpad but it made it easier for playing games on the go with something like that and then having the functionality of the phone uh but i do actually have one device though here in mind and it's kind of more of a build it yourself thing i don't know if this crossed your mind or not at least to kind of experience some stuff on the go 
if you put forth the engineering work on it, and that is RetroPie. That is using a mm-hmm. Raspberry Pi with this uh, OS with RetroPie here to emulate your games. Now, we have to say this, though, okay? I, we've got to get this out there. RetroPie requires you to be able to secure and maintain physical copies of the games you have on its system uh, primarily because you have to have them in their ROM form. This is not us advocating for in any way, shape, or form that you go and download any ROMs from any sites for games you do not own, okay? That is your choice to do so. We do not advocate for any of that whatsoever here. We're all past that in our old age now. Um, (laughs) With it, though, it is still something that you can do. There are kits out there that you can buy for the Raspberry Pi to be able to actually make it into a little handheld. Like there's even those who make them out of Altoid cans where you just get an Altoid can, you empty it out. You get yourself one of the screens that work at the Raspberry Pi. You can fit the Raspberry Pi inside with a battery and you can fit a controller right on top of it. Like just a little one that plugs in and and you're all set and ready to go. I think I have seen something like that actually before. Um, But to the same effect, you know, I mean, the uh, Raspberry Pi uh, on on the engineering end would be like the the one of the more extremes. Whereas, well, maybe not necessarily, because um, you you do also have people that are that are doing stuff like with the Wii, where they're uh, if you look it up, uh, it it's been deemed the OMG WTF cut. And they're taking old Wii boards and cutting them up to put them into a handheld. Now, once again, okay. it it does require you to have your console hacked, and we we don't uh, advocate for this at all because it requires you to also have all of your uh, disc games ripped from the. Uh, the disk drive onto the uh, hard drive of the console in order to play them. But um, in this form, you can actually play uh, Wii games as a handheld. And there are actually the, I want to say someone sells the actual kit that looks like a Game Boy um, for your Wii. That actually sounds very familiar. I remember some articles that were talking about stuff like that. Yeah, I want to say there have been uh, other YouTube uh creators that have that have done videos where they they've actually done the uh omg wtf cut uh, on the uh we uh system board and managed to successfully create a handheld version of a Wii. It, it's neat but once again it's also novelty and it requires you to have you know rom backups of all your physical games in order to play them on a on a hacked version of the console yeah, and I think someone even did it with a not even just the Wii, but I think someone also created a portable uh GameCube as well and a portable oh what else was there? It wasn't just GameCube. I think someone even did it with a Dreamcast as well. Oh, that'd be cool. But that was just them being able to take existing retro consoles and effectively gut them to turn them into something different than what they were originally built for in the first place anyway, which was, you know, they were built to be stationary on a, on an entertainment center, not to be taken with and played on the go like that. But you know, that even so that still does kind of fill the niche, but that's a very small niche compared to some of these other things that are out there now too. And again, with the sense of like what you can do for the retro, like with the retro pie, uh, after you get everything built, like I just did a Google search here just to go look at pictures right now. And it's like, I just looked up retro pie handheld and you've got people on here who have made things that look like uh, that. Oh, I don't even know how to describe it necessarily. Um, some of them look like those cheap gaming handhelds that like Walgreens sells over in their toy area that you could just, you know, grab. It's got some like really like cheap clones of like space invaders and, and other stuff right, on it. Right. Um, but you go through and look at some of these other ones though. And there are some people who actually print, uh, game cases that look like, um, the original, uh, Game Boy. Oh yeah. I, I imagine they, they would. Um, and, and some of them probably look pretty professionally done. 
Yeah, I would say. I, I would really say, like, especially with some of these pictures, like, they really do. So it, it, it's even with it, of course, again, even without the advocating here for it, it's like there there is options out there, though, anyway. And even with those options in the first place, you're not really limited to maybe going with like the analog uh, pocket, which itself right now you cannot actually get until presently 2023. They are currently oh, on fulfillment yeah. group C, which means that if you want an analog pocket, it doesn't matter what color. It doesn't even matter the accessory. You have to wait until 2023. With that, uh, if you want to build something like a retro pie and you have some patience to actually go through a step-by-step, you could maybe spend about $100 instead of the $220. But again, you enter that kind of gray area where it's like this is a purpose-built device here for doing the retro gaming, and then you have a retro pie that can kind of do more, but it requires you to break the law in one sense to actually make it happen. So do some trade-offs, of course, though, you know, and, and go from there. But even in the retro sense, though, still, like, I got to say this. I, I know we've got the Game & Watches coming out from Nintendo. We had the Mario one at first. We had the Zelda one. I got to imagine we've got to have a Metroid-looking Type 1 coming out soon, too. Um, That'd be amazing. But, like, what I'm surprised about for Nintendo is that they haven't grasped onto the idea of some of this other retro stuff and have released something like a Game Boy Micro 2.0. Yeah, it 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 is kind of baffling. Or, you know, you look at something like the uh, success of that that uh, Sega Micro Game Gear that they did, that was literally palm sized. Like it was so small that it it was like almost unplayable. I forgot um, all about that. Yeah, um, I remember and, we had talked about it in the news. I think. Yeah, and they only had four games on them. Why can't Nintendo do that? Like. That they could make some serious bank on, you know, just doing one that had like four Mario games on it, or one that had, you know, three Zelda games on it. I mean, we we've got it with the Game and Watch. I'm, they could be putting out Game and Watches like crazy, like that, or like you said, just a uh, classic Game Boy that had so many Game Boy games just built onto it. Yeah, especially if it was something like those types of games that you would really expect to actually have on a Game Boy. Like, I don't know necessarily about Pokemon showing up on there, but I could imagine maybe one of them. But even so, like Tetris being on there, Super Mario Bros. being on there, just to name a few. Um, Link's Awakening, I guess, being another one. There are a couple, at least, that could be on there that, yeah, they could sell in a smaller package. You know, I bet you probably like 100, 120 bucks, maybe. Just basing it kind of off of what they charged for the uh, Nintendo Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic. Then they could definitely fill a little bit of a niche there where they themselves are having problems kind of filling the gap, at least on the retro part for uh, like for handheld games. Although the Switch is still kind of getting some of that with the Nintendo Switch Online and the stuff with Mm -hmm. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, N64 and Sega Genesis games. But you have to pay into a subscription to have those as well, though, too. You can't just buy the game and be done you have to get the subscription and then download it see and i feel like that's one of the reasons nintendo hasn't gone out of the way and and made more game and watch consoles even with the success uh, of the mario unit and and the zelda unit i mean i i recall when i first ordered my mario unit um after i ordered it i was like looking around and they were sold out for months the pre-orders were just sold out like crazy for months and people were trying to scalp them for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And it was, it was insane because, you know, when, when they launched it, the demand wasn't like so high that they couldn't fulfill the, the, the number that was out there. In fact, you could, you could go to the store and just pick one up off the shelf and, and get it no problem. And that, that's what I ended up doing because um I had to, I, I want to say my uh, Amazon order got lost um, for my Mario one. So I ended up getting refunded and bought one from Target uh, in order to get my, my first game and watch. But Nintendo, I feel like, doesn't want to detract from their own business. So 
that's one of the reasons we don't see more Game & Watches or or like a, I guess, competitor to the, uh, the, 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 the new retro handheld that's out the, or the analog pocket. I, I should say, I was, I forgot briefly what it was called. Um, I feel like they don't want to make their own competition. They, cause they, they could easily put out, you know, their own retro handheld that had 10 games on it, or you could just swap out the games with a download and a membership as well as be able to play your old Game Boy, Game Boy Advance games, you know, super easy. But why would they want to take that away from the Switch? Yeah, it does kind of eat into their bottom line a little bit there, especially with the Switch. But even so, it's like the Switch still sells so many different things that offer something niche anyway like this, where you do have Super Mario Bros. and the original Legend of Zelda available on the Switch through the um, NES uh, emulation on the Switch online platform. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it still didn't really eat into any of it because it's, it's the limitations of what those devices could even do in the first place. It's, it's only played those few games unless you have someone who takes the time to hack it and figure out what to put in there. Uh, But even so it's like with what Nintendo could provide, I think you're right is that they probably won't, They'll probably continue to do Game & Watch type stuff. They'll probably do some sort of Game Boy integration into the Switch at some point in the near future. Uh, but that's even like even just on the retro front itself. I mean, at least it doesn't feel like it's as limited as there is in the world of handhelds. I mean, granted, if you nix out the analog pocket, if you nix out, um, if you nix out the uh, Retro Pie, excuse me, I'm already forgetting things as well, too. Uh, you nix out going and buying yourself a Game Boy uh, off of eBay for whatever reason and having some old Game Boy games. Emulation is still out there. People will put these things on their phones. You could play stuff all the way up through the DS if you wanted to on your on your phone and go that way. But that's always going to be that area that someone's going to make a decision, you know, themselves are going to have to say like, well, I'm, I'm willing to take the risk to do stuff like this. And, you know, Nintendo throws their band hammer down pretty freaking quick. So, but I mean, also when you, when you say you have the ability to play all these games on that, maybe it's time to, to take a step forward and, and look at, you know, what we have coming out because the uh, steam deck, um, one of the steam verified, uh, programs on it is RetroArch, so you can technically, if you have ROMs of your your you know disc versions of games or your your cartridge games, mm-hmm. you can play your your NES, your Genesis, your your PS2 games on your Steam Deck now as well. Okay. In addition to any of the PC games that you want to download and put onto the console and. The cool thing is they're going to have a cross-play functionality where it'll actually just read your save the next time you're at home or connected or whatever, and it'll update your save file for you. Okay. That's actually pretty neat. I was not aware that yeah, and that's there the was something like that. PC games. Okay. Well, that's still pretty cool nonetheless. Now, you are right, though, is that like let's talk about what is actually here now and what is coming up, and as was mentioned in the intro, that the Switch doing the combination console, like home console and handheld, was just a monumental change from what anybody could have imagined that Nintendo did. Now, granted, Nintendo has always been one of the risk takers anyway when it comes to the devices they make. I mean, we've seen that going on for a long time now, and for them to have bridged that gap between take your game with you on the go and then dock it and get yourself a little bit better of an experience, like going up to 1080, what is it? I think 1080p out of the dock. And now you've got all these things with you that you can just do, you know, in the grand scheme of Nintendo products. It's, it really opened up a door and opened up people's eyes to realize what was possible in a handheld package that wasn't tied to a smartphone or a a purely dedicated handheld device, like something that just did this. And we've seen evidence of that across the board with a lot of things. And I have a couple different examples of it. Uh, we've got AMD's 
Project UFO, which they uh, showed off at, I think it was E3 2020. Um, we have uh, we have the Aeneo. We also have. Oh, the, I think that that was actually the UFO was CES 2020. What did I say? I think you said E E3. Did I say E3? Because we talk yeah. about gaming, so I mix up that stuff. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you're, you're correct. Thank you for the correction on that. Yes, yeah. CES 2020 is where that was at. Yes. Because we talk about gaming stuff all the time, so it's like E3's right there. Anyway, yes, CES 2020 is where that was shown off at, and it definitely looked like a Nintendo Switch without the ability to detach the uh, controllers on the side. But then carrying on, of course, like I was saying there, we've got the A and Neo. Uh, we've also got the GPD Win 3. and of player. Yep, we've got that. And then, of course, coming up here, uh, it's starting to get into the hands of reviewers now. But at the end of this month, the Steam Deck will release. Mm-hmm. And out of all of these, of course, like the big focus on, on all of them, the ANEO, the UFO, the GPD Win. Uh, what was the device you said? Oh, the 1X player. There's that. The Steam Deck. Out of all of these devices, the key thing that all of these devices are, are honestly, they're PCs. They are actual computers. They are not running some type of proprietary software on them in the sense that it's locked down, like like booting up your Xbox, your PlayStation, or your, your Nintendo Switch. It's, it's honestly a full-fledged operating system, a desktop operating system. The Steam Deck, of course, ships with a modified version of Arch Linux that then, of course, is running what's called the Proton Layer, which allows for the... Uh, actual game compatibility to work uh, for your games in your Steam library. But things such, of course, as the GPD Win 3 and the ANEO, those run Windows, like right out of the box. These things are running full-fledged versions of Windows 10. And can... just the 1X player. Exactly. I got to remember yeah. that, 1X, yeah. Uh, but they are full-fledged PCs that have the capable capability of playing these PC games on the go. And I know we talked about gaming on the go. Um, I believe earlier last year, we talked about gaming on the go. And this really further solidifies it that you don't have to throw a 17 inch gaming laptop from Asus into a backpack, carry around a brick the size of the laptop to power it, and then go from place to place. And it's like, oh, I want to play on the go. It's like, well, cool. You're going to get 20 minutes of battery life by playing Cyberpunk 2077 at ultra settings with with RTX on. Okay. Well, also a year ago, though, I mean, the, the climate has completely changed. A year ago, the only thing that we had really seen as far as handheld computers, we had heard rumor of the Steam Deck. We had seen the UFO. Um, GPD had a... A win, uh, uh, I think, what two win units out, three win units out at that point. Um, so they've they've been in the market for a little while, but I mean, nothing with like as crazy laser focused as what we've seen out of the One X player and the Ioneo and the the Steam Deck. You know, uh, each one of them kind of has their their own little niche that it's good at. Like the One X player has the giant screen of the handheld computers. Um, your Ioneo is going to be your, basically your Lamborghini <laughs> of your your handheld computers, whereas your your GPD is going to be your your kind of all around middle run, and then your Steam Deck is more pointed directly at your Steam library. True, which I'm still genuinely curious to see how it will actually handle because I'm I'm betting that it's going to be like steam big picture mode i'm wondering if it's going to have a web browser built in or if there's going to be functionality within that web browser to log into something like xbox game pass and do cloud stream or playstation now and do that and apparently you might be able to put a full version of windows 10 slash 11 potentially on the uh the Steam Deck. They said you were going to be able to. They said they've already confirmed that it's like for the true experience, though, that they're trying to present, stick with what it comes with. But if you want to change it out to Windows, they have the functionality to do it. I'm hoping that they provide some sort of recovery image to let you bring the original version back, you know, if, if you decide, hey, okay, Windows isn't working out for me. But even so, looking at what we've got now in the market for handheld is 
it literally has become a PC, like very PC focused. And I think it's because it's eating into, or it's those gamers who are PC gamers who have a massive beefy gaming system at home, but Mm -hmm. are normal people and have to venture out into the world to contribute to society in some form or another. And of course, being gamers and of course, gaming being what it is to take that stuff with you on the go without having to rely on some sort of janky, clunky software service or or what have you. Now you have the ability to take a lot of that on the go, but also still net the additional benefit of taking something like this with you that also functions as a laptop. Because each of these offerings, like I'm looking at the ANEO store, I'm looking at the GPD Win store, uh, Steam Deck, of course, is showing it still is coming soon. They do sell docks for these mm-hmm. that allow you to either run them out to your TV or let you uh, run all your different peripherals into them. Like the ANEO I'm looking here has a couple USB Type-C and HDMI, a couple USB. It even has a gigabit Ethernet port on the back of it. Uh, the GPD Win 3 is the exact same way, same type of setup. Uh, it's It's one of those things where they really expect you to use this more in a mobile sense, but do offer the ability to make it more of a desktop experience and kind of cut into what Nintendo has done with the Switch, where you can now dock it, you get some of this expanded functionality, but if you want to take it with you on the go, there you go. Right. And see, and I'm seeing that, like, some of the other offerings that are out there, it, it, it... when it when it comes to the the handheld computers, each one of them kind of offers their own specific thing, um, and it's going to change your experience slightly. So it, it's kind of pointed to what you're ex- tailored to what your experience, what what kind of experience you want, I should say, out out of your handheld computing unit. So I don't know it. Th- there's there's actually variety though. That that's the thing. You're not you're not stuck with just saying, you know, going out on the handheld market, you're going to get Nintendo. Now all of a sudden you can you can get a iNeo and you're going to play these games better. You can get a Steam Deck and play, you know, your Steam verified games better on maybe that unit than you would be able to one X player and maybe the one X player can handle your Epic Games library and none of your other handhelds can can actually handle who knows but it it seems to be more more at a point where where you're you actually have variety to choose from um to actually tailor to what you're you're actually playing yeah and that's one of the things i really appreciate about that is that you are right we do have variety because we don't really have any support for the PlayStation Vita anymore. That, I believe, is completely gone. We obviously have not seen any handhelds from some of these other companies in a very long time. Um, you know, Sega, of course, has been out of the console market for, for uh, honestly, two decades now. We don't have anything. Of course, I mean, Atari doesn't make the links anymore. We don't have TurboGrafx stuff anymore. We don't have any of that, you know? And so... Obviously, things like our iPhones and our Samsung Galaxies and our Google Pixels have all really filled that gap to at least offer some sort of mobile gaming mobile gaming experience, you know? And they weren't games, though, that you would expect to play, like, on a computer. You wouldn't expect to play Angry Birds or Cut the Rope or Candy Crush on your computer, mm-hmm. you know? that That's just not it. It was just to be a time-wasting thing, you know, just to kill a little bit of time when you're in between glasses or on your lunch break or whatever. But gaming on mobile has evolved to the point where you've got things, PUBG mobile, Call of Duty mobile, you've got Genshin Impact, you have uh, the upcoming Apex Legends mobile that's supposed to be launching as well too. You've got the upcoming Diablo Immortal that's supposed to be coming up too. You've got all these... Even beyond that, you've got cloud gaming from Xbox on your phone. Exactly. That's where I was going to next is you've got cloud gaming. You've got Xbox cloud gaming via Game Pass and soon potentially whatever PlayStation is working on, which is called Codename Spartacus. And yeah, the the market has really opened up for something like that. 
And of course, with the cloud gaming stuff, it doesn't rely on your hardware being the best anyway, because all of that rendering is done yeah, off all device. The computing's in the cloud. It's all done on on a server elsewhere. You just so need the bandwidth. All you're actually having to do is receive the video signal. Exactly, and be able to get your your button commands back. So, yeah, that is one part of where that experience has gone and has improved. And so that's where you start to see that niche also being filled where it's like, okay, I don't want to play games on my phone. Oh, here's this option. And I don't have to carry around a gaming laptop with me. Granted, I'm not going to get something like RTX 3080 mobile graphics on the go. I'm not going to get a, like a true, like Ryzen seven or uh, Intel I nine experience out of this. Like I would a desktop version or a actual laptop, you know, laptop equivalent, but I am going to get something that is viable to offer me that mobile experience without at least too much compromise. Cause even GPD has some statistics here. Like they, they've put up some average frame rates for some games that they have tested. Uh, so like average frame rate for death stranding on their machine, which is, uh, for note is running a, let's see, where is it? An Intel core I seven 11, nine, uh, nine, five G seven. And it has 16 gigs of LPDDR4X memory and comes with a one terabyte NVMe M.2 SSD. Uh, according to their stats here for frame rates, and oh, it does use Intel Iris XE graphics as well, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Average frame rates here for Death Stranding was 57. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice was 85. Devil May Cry, Fro- uh, Devil May Cry 5, bleh, can't speak, there's 82. Red Dead Redemption 2, 77. God of War 3, uh, which I assume was the remastered version, uh, 45, Uncharted Drake's Fortune, 42, Monster Hunter World, 120, Dark Souls, 376, GTA 5, 112, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, 87, Flight Sim, 2020, 66, and Borderlands 360. And I've got to imagine, like, they don't actually list, like, what these settings were, uh, but they have a whole YouTube page full of videos that are actually showing them doing all the different tests for it. But needless to say, if you're trying to play a mobile game on the go, you want it to just really be able to work and at least look decent, right? Oh, absolutely. You you aren't expecting ray tracing and DLSS on the go, are you? No, no, not by any means. But I, I think this is also the point where I feel like the consumer... It well, it, it'd be more on the consumer to actually, because of the saturation of the market, kind of uh, curtail your expectations to what you actually own in comparison to what you know devices you might have at home. Because I think there there's also the expectation now too with the Steam Decks coming out, um, with with uh, the the cloud streaming services that. Oh, I I can play an Xbox on my or I can play an Xbox Series game on my cell phone, so it's got to look like an Xbox Series game, and it's got to run like an Xbox Series game. Yeah, because we all want that 4K 60 frames per second experience when gaming on right. our iPhone 12 Pro or our Samsung Galaxy Note, right? Right. <laughs> and I, I I feel like that that's that's kind of where where people have to understand there there is going to be a difference when when you play you know cyberpunk on on a steam deck versus you know if you were to play it on on my 3090 it, 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 there there's going to be some slight graphical difference there's going to be some slight load time difference you know <laughs> just a little bit you, you, there there's got to be a little bit of of curtailed expectation out of what you're getting out of the handheld experience but at the same time you know I, I think it's also kind of remarkable. You look at some of the stuff that a lot of the tests have come out um, here in the last couple days. Now that we're recording on, um, you know, almost midway through the month, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we've seen kind of the the specs of what it can do at its hardcore. You know, running a really intensive game that's fast paced, like Devil May Cry you're not going to get all that much time out of it. You're looking at just over maybe an hour and a half a game time on the Steam Deck. Whereas if you play, you know, a side-scroller, you might get like five hours out of it. It it just kind of depends on what you're playing. But it's also, 
de- depending on your playtime too, it else it's also going to depend on you know what you have the graphics set at and what kind of experience you're going to give yourself. You're going to allow yourself to have within the parameters of that console. <laughs> and I think most are really striving for I think especially when it comes to anything that's mobile related right now too. I think the requirement that a lot of people are trying to hit is at least 1080p 60 fps now i could definitely provide some leeway for myself especially when it comes to older games like of course there's the god of war 3 remastered that was talked about on uh the stats there for what the gpd win 3 could do and when god of war 3 was originally out it was on the playstation 3 but it was at 1080p but i believe it was a 30 frames per second experience not 60 so there's obviously some room to work there and it's like that was what i remember playing i i'd be perfectly fine with it like the only interesting part though is that the gpd win 3 uh comes with only a 1280 by 720 screen so yeah but also got to consider that but that's also a per person type thing yeah and i i mean i look at where handheld gaming has come like i said you may only be able to play uh like devil may the newest devil may cry on high settings for maybe an hour and a half, but you you compare that to you know where we were with the Vita. I mean, think about some of the big strides we took with that. They put Persona Four on the Vita, and it ran flawlessly. You know, we we had God of War games coming out on the PSP that ran pretty flawlessly. They ran like a God of War game on the PS2. You know. You, you go back even further. You had RTS games like uh, Advanced Wars on, on the GBA, you know, or or uh, great RPGs like Golden Sun that that just ran phenomenally, and and you know, just some of the strides that we've taken, and it's it's not even just you know double where we were at, um, you know, within a couple years, they've making. Or they they were making they've made such great great strides. Um, each console that's come out, um, just in general, and I I think where we're at with the the new handhelds, um, you know where where we're at generally generationally with the uh, Switch, where we're coming to with the uh, Steam Deck, it, it's just it's gonna blow us out of the water even beyond what we've seen. And that's really what I am expecting from this is because what you're seeing in the handhelds right now with what has come out with GPD Win, with ANEO, we aren't really getting any portable gaming from any game company, really, at least in like the, the package that we kind of grew up with, where the hardware and software were kind of all built, you know, by the same company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are getting that though with the steam deck uh of course this is not their first attempt with doing anything like this we had the steam machine we had steam link we had the steam controller uh of course right now you know they're they're very big with their vr stuff too what the vive the index so there's there is a little bit more clout when it comes to valve doing this with the steam deck in the sense that this is a company that makes games or at least did make games I mean, we haven't seen really anything from them in a while but this is a company that did make games and at least is taking the risk of trying to put out some type of hardware and may help to kind of drive and show maybe some of that adoption out there for the other the other gaming companies itself like you know i mean they don't necessarily need to do that for nintendo's sake because nintendo's been there since 2017 but microsoft with their surface line is creating something that you know is maybe akin to that, especially with something that heavily emphasizes Game Pass and cloud streaming. Something mm-hmm. from PlayStation, maybe because they, because uh, Sony did. I don't know if Sony still uses or creates anything in the Vio line, or if Vio got bought by another company. Um, but th- there's another thing there too, you know, or try to re-res like like resurrect the playstation portable or try to do something off of what the vita was and try to build on something like that it's one of those things that it's showing that it is possible it's showing that you can set it at a price point that is not going to break the bank for your end for your end goal user which is going to be your regular everyday gamer and 
provide a new and unique experience to take games on the go with a device that could end up potentially being separate from your phone. Because don't get me wrong, I think playing stuff from Xbox Cloud streaming on my phone is awesome, but I will say it does actually feel uncomfortable after a while to play a game with that phone uh, mounted to something that then is connected to the controller. It's just a very awkward, heavy experience that just doesn't feel right. Oh, yeah. I I fully agree. At least after a while. At least after a while, though, really. Yeah. And, you know, maybe... Maybe with the uh, Steam Deck coming out, maybe we'll get a, a killer app as an exclusive. Like I don't know, maybe a maybe a Half Life game. <laughs> I okay. You know what? I'm putting it Wishful down here thinking. right now. I'm putting it down here right now. Okay. I think you're full of crap. I don't think <laughs> we're gonna see some sort of killer title from them. I don't no, think it's gonna be a killer title. But I think what it's gonna be instead is this. It's not going to be a killer title. It's going to be a killer functionality of it. And I actually see it bridging the gap over to something like the GPD win or the A&EO. And that would end up being mobile VR support without tying in all of the hardware and electronics into a headset like the Oculus Quest. Okay. See, and that that's where I was going to go next. I, I, I feel like uh, we're going to get some mobile VR support or maybe some... Uh... Some VR support that allows you to use a home VR kit with the handheld unit. Basically, maybe potentially have uh, functionality with the index if, if you know, if it's out there. If, if the uh, potential's out there, maybe it can happen. Maybe. Especially because if you could come out with something that was like another headset, uh, something that maybe like carried part of the processing power to it, but like wasn't the full experience in there anyway. Like, uh, like you couldn't run it without it actually being plugged into something, but it had enough hardware in there to help actually pick up some of the some of the slack that the the actual mobile device couldn't do. And again, right. I'm not talking like in the sense of the Oculus Quest where it can act as a standalone device. I'm talking about something that at least has like the expanded capability of it where then it's like okay you go and plug it into a steam deck and now it's able to run those games just like they would on a desktop pc you know or at least give you that full true desktop experience instead of something that's slightly pared down like it is on the quest and then they come up with a special you know carrying case for it that you know it's like either a small backpack or whatever that allows it like full cooling capability so you're not like smothering it in a backpack and lets you do your VR stuff on the go with a little bit more of a premium experience that would, you know, necessarily require you to, to bring a desktop PC with you to wherever it is. Yeah. Or, or I could see the uh, next step because we've, we've already attempted it and it didn't necessarily work all that great in the past. Um, And actually Sony was the one that attempted it uh, both with their, their, uh, there, I want to say it was the PSP Go um, with the Xperia and with the uh, Vita is maybe potentially putting cellular in some of these devices. Yeah, and remember, if if you go back and think about some of that Just cellular stuff. Just network access all the time. Right. Thing. And if you remember some of that cellular stuff, though, it's, it was a premium that some people really just didn't want to pay because right. they couldn't find a value in it or it was just that – trying to tie it into one of those cellular plans just ended up being a cost that they didn't really care about. Like it was one thing that they didn't see an issue with, but especially with something like the steam deck where you have that dynamic cloud safe functionality. And if it does spread to other parts of the steam environment, or there are other things that do happen out there for cloud saves and such and other technologies that maybe having that always online style connection, does kind of come back into play. So maybe something like that, but again, it, it has been tried. It has been done before, but it just hasn't sold as well. Otherwise right. it's and like, I, I don't want the end gauge back. Okay. I really don't want right, that. Right. But I mean, we, we've come a long way since then too, you know, I mean, back then there, there wasn't really a whole lot of need for the cellular service on, on the games. Whereas back um, nowadays, People will go to the store when they buy a cell phone and they'll tie in a tablet. You know, you, you 
half the people that are buying cell phones are, are buying tablets that are that are cellular as well, connected to their same plan, you know. Or, you know, I think you could even or do something still. for that matter True. That, that have cellular service. True. And they've also got stuff, though, too. I mean, you could always tether from your phone as well and right. at least provide that connectivity. But that, that always and bridges maybe, another gap. So maybe, maybe that's another potential that we, we could see in the future is, you know, just more open availability through devices to tap into your pre-existing cellular service with your phone. I see that. I see that more of like a like a paired in thing, especially. Yeah, yeah. That that's. I see that probably more doable than maybe it being like a standalone device that you have to buy a separate plan for necessarily. But of course, that's that could be a whole other discussion, probably all on its own on on definitely on easily stuff. Anyway, I I think it'd be more easily sold to the consumer in, in that light rather than oh well, you have to buy a whole another service and get a whole another SIM card and you know, pay th- these additional fees in order to have your one device connected. <laughs> yeah. And I, in this day and age where so many people are paying for so many different streaming services, subscription services and that, I think that would be like the last thing that people would want to worry. Yeah. About. I, I mean, when, when it, when it becomes a nail in the coffin type thing, that that's something I, I think companies want to avoid at this point. Yeah. Don't alienate your core player base by offering some of these feature sets that, probably will end up not actually even getting used you know don't charge the premium on it to do so i mean like i know this doesn't factor in a handheld but uh look at what microsoft did with the xbox one that paired a connect with it on original launch and then they finally listened and yeah. split that away that, that's exactly it as i'm saying it's like you're you're don't get me wrong on anything with the connect anyway but it was something that a lot of gamers just didn't care about and now it's like you're telling me i have to pay this extra cost and you're not giving me like a, a choice to buy it separately like you did previously. That's right. that's that's what I'm kind of getting at. You know, you're going to alienate your core player base by saying, "Well, the only version of our mobile device here is a is one that has a cellular modem built into it. It does have Wi-Fi as well, but it's going to cost you an extra hundred and twenty dollars just because it has that cellular modem built into it to access five G, but." You have to pay for your own plan. You have to pay for your own connectivity to do that, unless you're just going to be on Wi-Fi all the time. And then that's that's just the whole thing. It's like, well, what this, what what would you pay for this if it didn't have the, or like, what would you market this for if it didn't have the the cellular function? It's like, oh, okay, well, it's going to be about 150 dollars less. That's where you're going to start throwing people like off, like mad, right? So, uh, I I see some some future evolution with that, especially as 5G the the other branches of the 5G network, the 5G environment continue to uh, flourish and grow. But mm-hmm. at this point in time, I think just as long as the thing has access to Wi-Fi, I mean, who doesn't, who is not near a Wi-Fi connection really nowadays? Um, you know, that's I, I, true from your home, that all the way like public there's, library, there's so the many school places that, yeah, offer free Wi-Fi connection. So I, I mean, uh, it's hard to not not be near an open connection nowadays. Whereas, you know, it was hard to find even a, a secured connection, you know, 15 years ago. But, I mean, going on from that, this also kind of, since, since I feel like we're, we're getting close to the end, this also kind of leaves it open to where do you think it's going to go for the future? Like, th- this, I feel like, is a new big big step in the handheld market compared to where we were at you know with the the launch of sony's first handheld with going back to nintendo switching their handhelds to having two screens to doing away with it and coming back with handhelds um what what what's the next step um for for pc handhelds for for nintendo as a handheld where where do we go from here so on the definitely not going to happen, but I have a hunch it might happen, but we're talking decades down the line. Do you remember in Futurama, the iPhone, where they literally would just jab the the chip into your eye and it was just project ah, in front of you? You know, that, Here, that's, take my money, the original meme. <laughs> exactly, yes. Now, that okay, now that's, in the, that's way down the line and probably will never, ever happen. But um, no, for where things actually do sit... 
depending on the success of the Steam Deck, and that's always where these companies generally like usually look. It's like, what is the current market doing now? What has been the runaway success? And what can we do to capitalize on that ourselves? What I see happening is a lot of people really watching what the Steam Deck is going to do. Not what the GPD Win has done, not what the ANEO has done, not what any of these other things have done, but what the Steam Deck is actually going to present. And depending on how those sales numbers actually come out, which I'm sure that because Valve is not a publicly traded company, we're going to get some pretty arbitrary like 50 million units, which it probably won't even be that high, but they're going to be looking at how many units they moved, which versions of the unit that moved. Uh, they're going to be looking at potential part costs on there too to see like, well, how much did this actually cost Valve to make and how much profit are they making off of it? Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, all the other little logistical things that go into selling something, you know, marketing, uh, promotional stuff, like what exactly you're going to be offering with it. You're going to see, I think, a lot of scrutiny on that. And I half expect to see some potential news about asus making one uh potentially hp getting into the space like an omen line handheld device of sorts um things from some of these other gaming groups as well like uh, hell even nvidia could come back to it because their original device the nvidia shield was actually a mobile android gaming device where it looked like it was it looked like an xbox controller like kind of a cross between an xbox 360 and an xbox duke controller um but the screen itself folded down and clamshell would open up you'd be able to play android games on it you know with actual um analog sticks and such they came out with the shield tablet that tried to further that success as well too but it was more of just the tablet, and then you had a separate controller that you could pair up via Bluetooth to do it. And then you've got the NVIDIA Shield TV, which was more of like the response to um, just being a home set-top box that also had the functionality of Android TV and would let you play games there, especially through their streaming service, GeForce Now. So I could see NVIDIA potentially taking that next step to bring back the Shield, at least in its portable mobile form, and especially emphasize GeForce Now on it. Uh, I do also see uh, the name was just right there, right my head. Uh, God, I can't remember who it was. I was just thinking of as I was talking about that one. Um, but oh, Razor, Razor would really be the other one I actually see to do something like that. So yeah. that that's what I see really is that I'm gonna I'm thinking Asus really is gonna be one of them. I'm thinking another gaming PC company like MSI is going to be another one. Um, NVIDIA and probably um, Razer, more than anything, are really going to be watching this. And it's like, what can we do? And how can we potentially capitalize on this by offering our own? And that that's what we're going to see. And that's how the competition is going to grow. It's not going to be just from the GPD win or the ANEO. It's going to be from these mainline mainstream companies putting something else out there. That's what it's going to be. I think you're right. Um, I, I I think you really hit it with the uh, Nvidia Shield coming back. Um, I could see that one hitting the market real hard after, um, or uh, just seeing a resurgence maybe six months down the line from from the initial launch of the Steam Deck, or you know hear about them coming out with a new unit potentially. <laughs> I could see uh, Lenovo or. Uh, with their lead, the Legion series or the um, HP Omens coming out with a uh, some sort of handheld or controller-based uh, partner device with your computer that it can communicate, similar to how the old Shields worked. Because um, I I don't know if they're quite as far as as where you know Steam or One X or Ioneo are. Um, with their handhelds, but who's to say? Um, Asus and and ROG, I think, is a definite, and Razer's a definite. We're that's something we're gonna see within the next two years. I, I'm gonna put a date on it. Um, you're gonna see it within within two years. I honestly and, expect the announcement of some type of prototypes or examples, like like proof of concepts, as early as next year. Yeah. 
and that's what I'm thinking too, is Razor will probably announce something by the end of the year. Um, and we'll, we'll see probably a proof of concept for something, um, from Asus out of CES or at the beginning of next year. That's my thought on the same thing too, Kyle. It's going to be soon, especially with the Razor, you know, moving in with their, their Kishi line, um, on the, the mobile device front, um, they, they've got monitors that they're moving into the market that are that are high speed 4K gaming monitors that are supposed to be more affordable launching. Uh, I think they were supposed to launch at the end of last year, but we've got more of them um, and maybe actually launching this year. But yeah, Razer's Razer's going to move on on in this market. There, There's not a chance they're going to let it pass them by. That's my. And I, I could see them doing their own mobile platform potentially too. That's my assumption on it. Really, is that that's where it's going to be, and that's what the future of gaming, mobile gaming, is really going to be, or the future of of portable gaming and uh, handhelds is really going to be, is that it's going to be definitely more PC centric. However, Nintendo's runaway with the Switch is going to continue to probably be their mainstay for the next one to two console generations i think after is that they really like hit it hard and i think that's what we're going to be seeing probably next oh yeah oh yeah until until there there's a feasible way to make vr affordable and bring it to more people with without it um being as uh intrusive into to people's lives I think that that's where Nintendo is going to be at. But when when you, they can get VR or or some sort of uh, mixed reality successfully into your life with that with being very very low impact, I'm talking lower impact than the uh, Mario Kart home circuit. That that'll be Nintendo's next step. Most likely, most likely. But I believe that is it for this week's topic. Is that correct, Kyle? I think so. I think we've covered just about all of it. Well, with that, then, that is this week's topic, talking about the future of handheld gaming. Just like handheld gaming itself, of course, did you know that you could take our podcast with you on the go? That's right. You can definitely check out this podcast and all of our previous episodes via your favorite podcast platform of choice. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. If you want to find all those links, be sure to visit our homepage at anger.fm slash the dash WCs dash podcast. You can also find us on social media. Our links are on our anchor.fm page, but just in case we are on Facebook and Twitter at the NPCs podcast. And of course you can also follow along on our YouTube channel as well, where we put up a lot more news-based content as well done on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and generally Saturdays as well, talking about all the different news things going on in video gaming for that week. Of course, that is it for this week's NPCs Discuss. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Laters.